You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. You don't know about the, the other side of the pyramid? The fifth side? It's called the floor, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure he realizes there is a fifth side of the pyramid. And I believe none of them, which makes me an expert. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. This is Chris Morrison with Quinn. Uh, We are back again with another conspiracy or maybe a cult, maybe a little bit of both. Perhaps. Maybe Charles Manson is a cryptid. A cryptid. Yes, he's a cryptid. Yeah, that skinny mental midget. (laughs) (laughs) He might be a hobbit or a manlet. Yeah. but yeah, we will be talking about Charles Manson and the Manson family, uh, the cult out of beautiful California on Spawn Ranch. <laughs> uh, but going into it, let's just get a quick little background about Mr. Manson. Uh, Charles Ma- Mills Manson, maybe his real name, maybe not. It's kind of deba- debatable, I think. On who we don't really know much about this man. Uh, he was born on November twelfth, nineteen thirty-four, in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks, Ohio, again. It's Cincinnati too. Yep, Cincinnati. fucking natty. Uh, he was. <laughs> maybe maybe we don't know so much about him because Ohio doesn't exist. So listed, uh, he has t- he had two wives, one from nineteen fifty-nine to sixty-three, and one from fifty-eight or one from fifty-five to fifty-eight. Uh, Candy Stevens uh, was from 59 to 63, and Rosalie Jean Willis was his uh, first wife. Uh, He was born to Kathleen Maddox, uh, like I said, in 1934. Um, But going into the Manson family, uh, what do you, uh, what other than Helter Skelter, uh, do you remember any stories about Charles Manson before? You like, had read Helter Skelter or anything like that? Well, I mean, I knew about the, the murders of Sharon Tate, and um, you were saying, like, off mic, it was uh, some of the heirs to the, what was it, the Folgers? Yes. Yeah, so... Uh, I didn't know about that. I knew there were other celebrities. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that's who it was. Yeah, so uh, one of Sharon Tate's friends, friends of friends, um, during the Tate, was what's called the Tate Massacre, uh, was an heiress to the Folgers fortune get the fuck out wow yeah uh it's kind of it's kind of all over the place a little bit when you think about who who all were there um the situation that led up to it because you also have uh i believe it's brian wilson of the of the beach boys is slightly involved because um him and manson actually were friends when it came to music Mm mm-hmm he was getting in good with Brian Wilson because Manson originally wanted to start kind of a music career, and he wasn't bad at it, is what got me. He was becoming close friends in order to get signed, essentially what it was, so Brian Wilson could put in a good word for him. Yeah. But we all know what happened with the Beach Boys. So some of the characters that are involved with this, uh, some of the major players, uh, you have Charles Manson himself. You have Tex Watson from Texas. Uh, you have uh, 
Paul Watkins. Paul Watkins, Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Linda Kasadian. Um, These just sound like Roman Polanski is involved, J.C. Bring, Abigail Folger, um, Wyckoff Rowski, uh, and Stephen Parent uh, were the victims. Um, going from Sharon Tate to, like I said, and her companions, J.C. Bring, Abigail Folger of the Folger's Fortune, um, they were the main victims uh, who kind of suffered the worst brutality of it all. Uh, we do know that Sharon Tate was pregnant yeah. at the time. Uh, Roman Polanski was not in the United States. Um, he's still currently exiled from the United States, technically. For good reasoning. Yeah. Uh, and we won't go into that, but, uh, yeah. you know, if anybody's in France or Switzerland and happen to see this motherfucker, put him on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be happy to welcome him back. Yeah. Uh, this was a home invasion. Uh on the evening of August 8th, 1969. Oh, fuck. That's my brother's birthday, August 8th. <laughs> that's actually when we dropped the second atomic bomb. No shit. August 8th. Because um, we talked about that. that yeah, yeah. Um, on the night of August 8th, uh, Tex Watson uh, had took uh, Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel into the Hollywood Hills in Benedict Canyon, California. Uh, and this is where they performed the murders. Um, now... Charles Manson technically hasn't murdered anyone. Technically. Yeah. There are some some issues on does he deserve the death penalty as a leader of a cult or did he actually kill someone and we just don't know about it. I kind of see it in a similar way of like uh, whenever you're going with a RICO case against an organized crime figure they still get charged for the murders that they order. They may not have committed them themselves, but they gave the idea, the order, the notion, and put forth the motion of committing that murder. I gave you the gun and the bullets, but I didn't tell you to shoot somebody. You took that on your own accord. But I still contributed to that murder. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go too much into the murders just because it's so well known. Um, and graphic as fuck. Yeah, so... Part of the Charles Manson cult was the belief in, and keep in mind, this is all information coming from the Vincent Bibliosi book, Helter Skelter. Uh, I do have some qualms with that book. Um, there, there are quite a few of. Uh, he he paints it as satanic panic. Of course, and it is the biggest like true crime novel of its time. Um, before that, it was, you know. Truman Capote's. Oh yeah, it was all like noir type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, but this was this was the biggest true crime book, and uh, a lot of you know hist- on the history aspect of it, it does happen at the tail end of the '60s. It is the end of the free love kind of thing going yeah. on. Not long after this, Altamont happens with the Rolling Stones. Um, oh, with the uh, Hell's Angels. Yes, and they uh, kill a, a young black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, they stab him to death, I believe. Yep. Um, but it, it all comes to a head. 1968 had finished out horribly with the death of uh, Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy. Um, the civil rights movement was kind of at a standstill. Uh, Vietnam had just had a, a surge, a troop surge with uh, Lyndon Johnson of, I uh, believe, 500,000 troops. And this was also the beginning of Operation Rolling Thunder, too, the extensive bombing campaign throughout yes. Vietnam. Um, and there's, you know, it is the 60s. It's a tumultuous time. Everybody, you know, any historian, any podcast, anybody you listen to, you know, the 60s is right up, you know, 
the worst time in the 1900s. It, it's like simultaneously the worst and best time, depending yeah. on who you talk to. Yeah. Uh, but going into the next part of, you know, we know about the Tate murders. Going into the LaBianca murders, uh, it was a couple. Uh, on the evening of August 10th, 1969, so two days later after the death of Sharon Tate and uh, her group, uh, the LaBiancas were in their own home. Uh, they were an older couple, um, Lino LaBianca and Rosemary uh, LaBianca. Um, and this is where the, the actual Charles Manson part comes in. So Manson, Leslie Van Houten, and Clem Grogan went to a drive the following night with Manson to stake out the LaBianca home. Uh, it wasn't until later that on the 10th that um, Atkins, Kasabian, uh, and Manson had pulled up to the house. And Manson's story is, and this was like the first interrogation of Manson in Helter Skelter, was Linda Kasabian was the main pusher on the killing of the LaBiancas. Um, whether or not that's true is always up for debate because I don't believe a word that comes out of this motherfucker's mouth. No, of um, course not. I, I don't either. I've watched tons of his interviews over the years, and I never believed a single fucking word out of his mouth. Um, now, Suzanne Atkins is the one who actually says she kills Sharon Tate, which I I believe it. That, that I feel like her and Tex Watson are like the only two that have some sense of sincerity mm-hmm. when it comes to talking about the crimes. So... What's, what's kind of odd about this situation, uh, the women are put into an institute, not a jail cell. Exactly. So that's where the Atkins confession comes from, mm. is a jailhouse confession. Atkins would later testify that Tex Watson is the one who killed Sharon Tate, which is probably more believable. Because Tex was fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, another story about Tex Watson. Um, so we know he comes from uh, Texas. Um now, there's not a lot of information about Tex Watson, um, except for something happened in the small town where he was from. Um, do you know anything about that? No, I, I'm not very familiar with the other members of the uh, Manson family. I'm just the uh, namesake, unfortunately. Yeah. So, uh, Tex Watson is technically still alive. Yes. Yeah, he's still alive. Uh, he was born in 1945. He was about 10 years younger than Charles Manson. Uh, he was born to Elizabeth and Denton Watson. Uh, and the town he had come from, when I was doing research on this uh, a few years back, uh, because there was an, uh, some new information had come forward. Uh, the small town that he was from... Um, uh, he was born outside of Dallas, but he claims to be from Dallas. Uh, before he had left that, that the, the smaller neighborhood that he was from, two women had been murdered in that neighborhood. Um, I don't have much information on names on this, but uh, it was concluded by another researcher. Uh, I believe he, believed, I think, uh, I'm trying to remember his name, but uh, he had wrote a series of uh, true crime stuff beforehand before he got to Tex Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a Harvey Schechter. Okay. So, type, um, who did great stories on all the big names 
in true crime he's very well in the research realm when it comes to that i just did a uh, research on a guy named andrew keogh uh which he just did uh he had did a book on uh who basically performed the first mass killing out of school yeah um i'm familiar with the keogh story yeah the keogh story um so he was involved in drug dealing long before he was with the Manson family. Mm-hmm. Uh, around 1968 is when he finally meets Charles Manson. And he begins living at Spawn Ranch with Charles Manson. Uh, a standard store that we get out of Helter Skelter is Charles Manson would uh, invite young women to the comp- to, to Spawn Ranch, uh, give them drugs and a place to stay, have sex with them. Of course. And then ask them to do shit as a like, kind of like an all-female commune kind of thing. And it, there were only like two other guys, I believe, other than Tex Watson that would that were strolling in and out yeah. of the area. But but with Charles Manson, and I don't want to like kind of prolong it, but I I'm not saying he's innocent, but I am saying that he isn't. He he didn't commit a murder. Do you think that he lost control, that he had everybody in the palm of his hand from the start, but that it was kind of like um, Watson kind of took the reins suddenly? Because Watson seems more like the type to... He seems more like a leader than Manson was. Mm -hmm. Manson just seems like he's the face, the figurehead, and Watson was really kind of pulling all the strings when it came to the murders. Yeah, I think... think, uh I think Tex Watson kind of took control of a of a situation that was going pretty south. Because I think that's how I, I feel like some law enforcement interpreted it that way, too. You know, initially, it's like everybody wants to hate Charlie Manson, which, of course, you know, he was the guy who brought everybody the fuck together, and he did a lot of fucked up stuff in his own, in his own light. But it seems as though, kind of going off of this evidence, that Tex Watson kind of just started shrugging him off and taking this whole thing as his own group his own family because i remember uh last time i was over here you were joking with me and saying like oh yeah uh, the manson family or i should say the tex watson family yeah um so it 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 seems more reasonable to me that someone like tex watson would have taken control yeah of how things were going compared to how charles manson was around I'm not going to say like alpha males or whatever, but like bigger guys. Like yeah. he, he he wasn't a you know Charles Manson. I think measured somewhere around five five. Very short. Yeah, very short. Um, non non threatening, uh, unless he had the group with him. Of course. There's a story about this with the uh, music teacher uh, who gets his ear cut off um, by the Manson family. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Fuck. so. If there was a murder committed, I believe that was the murder Charles Manson probably committed, was the music teacher. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but that would be the only murder I think he would have been complicit in. Yeah, because it seems as though the other ones, he was kind of just waiting out in the car, waiting for them to come back. Yeah, so with when it comes to like guilt, him and Tex Watson, I believe, would fall under, you know, facilitation of murder to the hundred, you know, Oh, easily. Which, which is part of conspiracy murder, which also is part of first-degree murder. Because he ate it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and another part of that is that 
the LaBianca's and Sherrod Tate's home was robbed as well. So anything about you know the law is any type of murder committed in the act of a felony is automatic death penalty. Oh, yeah, especially in the state of California. Yeah, back then, yeah. Uh, in 1968, there were no qualms about murdering people. Oh, no. For the state. Hell no. Um, but there were some changes changes in the guard a little bit when it came to you know the death penalty and California, but also across the United States. Uh, that's kind of what saved Charles Manson's ass and Tex Watson quite a bit. It actually saved Edmund Kemper's ass, too. Yep. It, uh, they, it was like the year before they had changed the death penalty mm-hmm. uh, qualifications, and he was grandfathered in. Yeah. And kind of kind of set the scene a little bit, what's going on in California uh, in 1968. Uh, Ronald Reagan is the governor of California at the time. Yeah. Um, you have the Haight-Ashbury district at an all-time height with uh, you know a lot of your hippies coming in and out. A lot of your free love compound kind of bullshit. A lot of, a lot of guitars, a lot of flowers, a lot of yeah. Grateful Dead records. Grateful Dead, yeah. <laughs> Cherry Garcia, as far as the yeah, I can see. God damn it. <laughs> this used to be a nice neighborhood. I would have loved to go back in time and just tell Jerry Garcia that he's going to be using the capitalist version of ice cream. Oh, my God. <laughs> Congratulations, hippie. I just want to be the one long hair to go back and go, get a fucking job, hippie. Mm-hmm. Um. And another part of this is Spawn, Spawn Ranch itself, which plays great into the backdrop of this. Uh, do you know anything about Spawn Ranch? Not that much. I know it's near California's Death Valley, but I don't really know the extent of how it operated, day-to-day things, if it was like self-sufficient, like a compound, or what the nature of it really was. Because I always thought that, it's probably going to sound so fucking weird, but I always thought they were living out of some kind of cave out in the middle of the desert at one point. So Spawn Ranch was a movie set. Um, No shit. Yeah, so Spawn Ranch was created back in 1947 uh, as a movie set for Westerns. Uh, That's right. Didn't they shoot a few John Wayne movies there? So a lot of stuff they filmed there, uh, Lone Ranger, uh, the old Lone Ranger with Clayton Moore. Yes. Yes. Several episodes of Bonanza and um, kind of a B-list horror movie called The Creeping Terror. But it is a standard California set. Of course. For like an Old West. Uh, There are arguments that it was used in the movie High Noon um, and High Plains Drifter later on. Right. But uh, it's kind of of a, a very lucky situation where Charles Manson kind of fell in when it came to Spawn Ranch because the uh, the owner of the ranch... um, had kind of set set the him up with uh, Lynette Froman, which is one of the women in the Manson cult, and he he kind of kept this guy, you know, out of out of his element a little bit, to so Charles Manson and Tex Watson and the family could kind of have free range of the whole place, basically a free 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 house, but wow. a whole but a whole town basically. Wow. So. Uh, George Spawn is the guy who owns the ranch, but um, Lynette uh, Fromm, Squeaky Fromm, um, that, that was her name, Squeaky Fromm. Huh. Um, Squeaky Fromm would go on to try to assassinate Gerald Ford later on. Are you? Oh shit! Yeah, she was the woman that missed both shots. Yeah, in 1975. Yeah, shooting from the crowd um, across the street. Yeah, they, so somehow she was able to maneuver her way out of conviction during the Tate and LaBianca murders uh, because technically she wasn't too far involved but it was later on that 
she tried to kill Gerald Ford and they put her in prison for life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is fucking crazy. <laughs> no, no shit. I, I heard quite a bit about her. I was actually watching a video about like the different assassin assassination attempts on presidents over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to kind of media, there is what a, a really good movie. Once upon a time in Hollywood, of course that kind of tells this, a what if history If what if it didn't happen that yeah. way? So they, Quentin Tarantino, when he made this movie, uh, one of the people he had, he had helping write this movie had made the argument, uh, at the time, Steve McQueen, is big is big in Hollywood at the time. Huge. But he was going to in he was had just finished the movie Great Escape, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um yep. And fun story about Steve McQueen. He learned how to fight with Bruce Lee. That's right. Yeah. Bruce Lee taught him how to fight. And one of the what if theories is what if Steve McQueen was there? <laughs> and this Fugly hippie pulled a twenty-two on him. <laughs> Instead of having to deal with Mister Parent, the guy who ended up trying to defend himself and was end up stabbed and shot, what if Steve McQueen was there? Just rips the gun out of the hand. Yeah, uh, I like a good version of this. Is in is in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They go to the wrong. The way they pull up, they piss off Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who's waving a margarita. <laughs> blender in his face get the fuck off my goddamn property you <laughs> ugly fucking hippies and i love that susan atkins just kind of loses it it just stays in the car and then drives away leaving tex watson and uh, the other one <laughs> by herself yeah. so it's now it's just two three hippies that are just like stranded in fucking hollywood hills and are and like end up getting fucking destroyed destroyed like lit on fire with a flamethrower because Mr. Margarita Man's still not happy. Yeah. The subtlety of just the quick Tarantino movies where he's just like, yeah, I kept that fucking flamethrower. You goddamn right. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> I love I love the Brad Pitt scene with the stuntman. <laughs> because cause I forgot about that. Yeah. If anybody's watched this movie, please do because there's it's, a scene it's where so Brad Pitt's kind of hallucinating. And he ends up seeing Tex Watson, this skeevy-looking hippie with a twenty-two revolver, who ends up getting his dick bitten off by a fucking Rottweiler. Yep. And then he bese- then my favorite scene is when he grabs, I think it's Susan Atkins, I think. Yes. And he starts bashing her brains into the fucking rock yes. of the chimney. Kills just, her outright, yeah. It was brutal. And keep in mind, he's high the whole time. Yep, tripping balls. So he has a great defense. <laughs> hey, they broke into his house, though, too. So even if it's it's California in the 60s, yeah. so still got some leeway. I like how just insane that is. And there is kind of a uh, kind of a fuck you moment in that movie. Uh, they get, uh, what's his name? He played Winners in uh, Bind the Brothers. Oh, uh, uh, Damien Lewis. Damien Lewis. He's playing Steve McQueen in that movie. And, and but that's because Damien Lewis looks a lot like Steve McQueen. Yes, he does. But he's talking he's talking cash money shit in that movie about Roman Polanski. He's like, you see that piece of shit right there? He's married to her, Sharon Tate. And it's just like, what the fuck happened to <laughs> <laughs> Which I love this alternate history of they're just talking about like Robert Polanski and Sharon Tate. Oh my god! Uh, did you ever see any of her movies? Uh, what, what films was she in again? She I was in a movie that was that was semi popular uh, about pills addiction and is Valley of the Dolls. 
Yes, yeah. I actually did see Valley of the Dolls years ago. So, I saw the second one first. Oh, dude! On IFC of all places, of course, it's IFC, and I'm pretty sure it's a it's a porn. I remember you saying that uh, like last month when I was over here. Yeah, but like Valley of the Dolls two is the most surreal fucking movie I think I've ever seen in my life because I can't I would argue it's a porno just just because but the bad guy at the end of the movie is just a homosexual they don't make it they, that's it nothing else he's just he's gay not- he goes he go, he's gay he's so gay that he went crazy that's that's the that's that's the whole story is there, is there a, a possible limit apparently wow yeah he, he went so gay that he tried to murder everyone and he kills like half the <laughs> cast but like <laughs> It kind of reminds me of Scream. <laughs> Except, Scream, but if Ghostface was gay. Yeah, that's why. Hey, why did you kill all these people? I'm a crazy homosexual. Like, that's it. I just was too gay to handle. Yep. Like, <laughs> that, that's that's the story. That's, wow. that's the whole that goddamn thing. Sounds like a fucking fever dream that some sort of homophobe would have. I would suggest you watch it and kind of gauge your own reaction. because I feel it like is, I need to watch that shit high yeah. in order to laugh. Like, yeah. Wow. So going into like the latter part, and um, do you know the story of how they caught Charles Manson? How did they catch him? So they catch him in Spawn Ranch. He's hiding in a cabinet in a bathroom. <laughs> okay, he he's probably smaller than fucking five five. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, so he, he's fitting, he's he's inside a cabinet, and the guy noticed there's hair coming out of the door. <laughs> and they kick, so so there's two different stories of this. They drug him out by his hair. He's kicking and screaming, saying he didn't do nothing. Another version of this, and this is mainly from the the Helter Skelter novel, was he tried to attack police. Nice. So you can kind of see where I'm coming from when it comes to the Helter Skelter book. They they held his they held his forehead. Yeah, they held his head while he's just swinging and then just kicking him in the nuts. Yeah, just kicking the shit. He'll go down. Don't worry. Of all the things that you know accidentally kill a suspect i don't think the world would have missed this suspect probably not no yeah um and i love some of the people that have portrayed charles manson in in television and movies yeah um have you seen the show justified i have i've seen bits and pieces i'm just i'm trying to recall the manson character in that so so there was in justified in season two you had the three brothers one was a cop one was a giant idiot yes one was had a limp Yes. The guy who had the limp played Charles Manson, and he did a fucking fantastic job. No shit. Yeah. Um, in the movie Helter Skelter, it was a made-for-TV movie. Um, uh, they did make an actual... So, get this shit. So, the trial happens. Okay, 71, 72. He's found guilty of the Tate and LaBianca murders. Of course. Uh, members of the family are also found guilty. Of course. Eventually, they just get a lot... They get sentenced to death because that's the appropriate response. Mm-hmm. But they end up getting life because of the death penalty situation. The book Helter Skelter comes out. Well, they make a, a made-for-TV movie about it. It riles up a dude. It riles up a couple of dudes in prison where they try to light his cell on fire. Fair enough. For what he did. Fair enough. And you, it's still still kind of, you know, keep in mind, he hasn't technically killed anyone. Technically. Technically. Yeah. But he had a hand in it. Yeah. So. It's, it's kind of like, it's one of those things where I see what they're thinking of, because if 
those people didn't meet Manson, they would have been pieces of shit in their own light. Like, they would have gotten caught up in shit. Like, Tex Watson's a great example. He would have gotten caught up in drugs, probably would have done drug trafficking, selling them. Probably would have killed, bumped off a couple of guys, keep his shit going, or he would have himself probably would have gotten killed, but it wouldn't have gotten to the magnitude of yeah. the Tate murders. Yeah, so uh, on April 22nd, 1971, um, he's charged with the, he's found guilty of the seven counts of first degree murder. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. LaBianca, that's two. Yep. And the other five at the Tate residence. Um, now, he is resentenced again in 1972 with a death penalty situation to life in prison uh, with the possibility of parole. <laughs> that's just a slap to the face, I feel like. So, we're going to give you hope. His initial death sentence was actually modified to 1977. It wasn't until later on that it was never repealed again and because they can't try someone again to double get a jeopardy. new sentence you also but it's also habeas corpus that's yeah. involved and double jeopardy so wow they couldn't technically charge him again with the same murders um he did have a, his first parole hearing in 1978 um obviously that didn't work out of course not yep uh he was in san quentin prison uh for the the majority of his sentence. He that wasn't, explains why he almost got burned out then. Yeah, so he was in the California Medical Facility, which is a, uh, at that time, was a medical criminal institution. Of course. But they moved him to actual San Quentin. Uh, a good version of this uh, is in the show Mindhunters, yes. which is about the uh, FBI profilers who want to speak to Mar- uh, Charles Manson. He's um, a total fucking asshole. Yes. To quote one of the agents, this mental midget <laughs> cannot help us. <laughs> He finally, I give him props because that character had really stuck it out with some of the interviews they did, like, especially even with Berkowitz. But like with him, he just was like, I'm fucking done. I'm not doing this. Yeah. So he had done multiple, while in San Quentin, he had done multiple interviews with people like Charlie Rose back in 86 on News Night Watch. Is that uh, that uh, interview where he makes the multiple faces and says, I'm nobody? Or is that the one where he starts dancing around the fucking room? I believe that is the Rado Rivera 1988. Uh, interview. Okay. Uh, and Gerardo Rivera, known for his great journalism. And great mustache. Yep. Solid mustache. Um, and it was part of a 1988 special called Satanism, which is part of the whole satanic panic. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. He uh, lumped it in. Yeah. So at the time, Manson had just bore a swastika into his forehead. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's not something to laugh at. It's just... What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And what's what's what I have a problem with is he kept getting interviewed throughout the 80s like six fucking times. Yeah. Multiple so, fucking times. So there was a documentary called Charles Manson Superstar that aired in 1989. Charles Charles Man it sounds like a shitty made for TV movie. Yeah. But uh going back to like the sale incident, uh back in 1984, uh when he was at the medical facility in uh, California, a game named uh, a guy named uh, Jan Hallstrom had poured paint thinner on on Charles Manson and lit him on fire. <laughs> nice, yeah, um, awesome. It's a small fire, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he lived. <laughs> like this guy was part of the uh, Hare Krishna. Uh, 
I'm actually su- surprised he fucking lived if that's the case. Because yeah. they, they're not exactly the type to, you know, have a very low mortality rate when it comes to killing people. So uh, at the tail end of the 80s, they finally put him in protective housing in the California State Prison. Um, and so they <laughs> I moved love to, how it took him this long. They, kept, you? <laughs> they kept bouncing in between the California Medical Facility, San Quentin. Uh, Pelican Bay. They were trying to fucking kill him yeah. in prison. They, 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 that's, all the, that's all the that's uh, all the the uh, justice system is trying to do in California. Is like we're trying to find the worst prison to put this fucker in so he will die. <laughs> so he ended up doing another interview with MSNBC in 2007. Um, the one that's the one where he kind of gets fucking unruly a little bit, where he just goes ape shit. Yeah, yeah. So that one they only had what they called seven minutes of actual available footage <laughs> because the rest is just anti-Semitic rants. <laughs> things, probably things like the Beatles. Well, yeah, yeah. considering that somebody has a swastika carved into their forehead, yeah. I expect no less. Yeah. And so he died in 2017 around November 19th. And he actually has, there is one individual that is claiming that was claiming his estate i know there was a whole fight for it though for a while yeah so uh it was a woman he had i guess con was in contact with of course um and she had claimed the rights to his remains which in a more macabre storyline of this she probably could have sailed off parts of his body oh yeah made tons of money you kidding me Uh, because technically that's not illegal it's a misdemeanor uh, to mishandle a dead body. But if you keep it preserved and you sell the preserved pieces of it's, said body. It's, it's not a felony. It's not. It's not. Uh, this happened in Georgia, actually, where a funeral home uh, didn't know what to do with some bodies that they had extra. So they put the bodies inside cars around the wood line of the funeral home. A mortician's office in New York City did something similar to that, too. Well, New York City's got a great story about body snatchers. That's exactly what I'm referring <laughs> yeah, to, is the body snatchers. The, uh, the going through the loopholes of the uh, system in order to sell body parts. Yeah, technically it's, it's a misdemeanor to mishandle uh, the remains of a body. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just a misdemeanor. No more different than like driving 10 over in a fucking school zone. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you drive 10 over to school zone and you, you, you sell pieces of a corpse. Yeah. It's the same crime. Same thing. So what finally got Charles Manson back when uh, they had moved him to uh, uh in prison uh, was a gastrointestinal issue. He shit himself to death. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hope they didn't clean him. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I you fuck this asshole. He was no, just, you're good. Like it, it's just the arrogance of him is what always got me with Charles Manson. It, it's you know initially when I was a teenager and into like the uh, edgy concepts of life, I I had this fascination that maybe he's way deeper than he actually is. And as I got older and reached, well, I get I suppose the age of reason, I'm like this guy is just full of shit and he's a prick. Like yeah. it's. It's amazing how he had that personality to call together a cult. And, you know, on a, on a musician level, I think we talked about this a little bit. He would have uh, been fine. Yeah, he, he would have been, he may have been fine, yeah. He, if, if anything, he would have been a B-list musician. Yeah. He wouldn't have really done anything. He probably would have gotten into some drugs. He might have fucked up a few times. But honestly, I would never see him going down the path of being a fucking cult leader that contributed to a murder of a Hollywood actress. Yeah, so he had gotten involved with Brian Wilson from the Beatle, uh, from the Beach Boys. Yep. Um, 
and that this is what I like about the Satanic Panic version of this is that he heard the White Album, I believe it was. Yes, with the song Helter Skelter yeah, off of the record. I don't know if you've ever heard of the song, but yeah, I've never got the idea of causing a race war. Nor have I got the notion that a race war was being referenced within the lyrical content of said album. As I recall, there's a lyric about a slide and going down the slide and getting back on the slide. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's about as far like. You might hate me for this one, but that's that's why I don't like the Beatles. Yeah, that Helter Skelter. No, I just don't like the Beatles. <laughs> Same. I, I just I've never liked the Beatles. Yeah, I like like three songs. Yeah, but I like that Brian Wilson is involved because anything about Brian Wilson, if anybody's welcome welcome to look this up, Brian Wilson is probably legitimately crazy. <laughs> he was legitimately crazy. He went to the fucking mental hospital like five times over. Well, I like I like. I like this because it's kind of said in Walk Hard where Dewey Cox is fucking losing his mind with all the didgeridoos. <laughs> and he's ha- he's going through that Brian Wilson phase. He even looks like him when he finally goes nuts, too. Because yeah. at first I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be like kind of like Jim Morrison. But then I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's fucking Brian Wilson. Yeah. That's not Jim Morrison. I need 10,000 didgeridoos. The extended like orchestra where they don't even understand what they're writing anymore. Yeah. Um, Surprised Mike Love wasn't somehow involved in this. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. Um, I've heard some of his music. It's okay, I guess. Like for it's the time. very Bob Dylan esque. Yeah. It's acoustic, you know, folky music. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just why didn't you just stick with this? You probably could have made it even better. It's no Van Morrison, you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, he's a Morrison, goddamn! You shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, that's the Morrison you defend. Oh yeah, yeah, because he's easy to defend. Well, well, what else do you have to fucking stack him up against? You got the fucking guy who announced the Hindenburg crashing, and then you got Jim Morrison. But you don't like Jim Morrison. I do Jim not claim Morrison. Jim Morrison. Yeah, see, that's where I don't understand you, Chris. <laughs> we can agree about the Beatles, but that's something where we Jim disagree. Morrison is a pedophile. <laughs> you know what? We'll talk about this later, but I... I Let's I find how to... many famous people with the last name Riley. I think one's a porn star. <laughs> you know what? Good. <laughs> They're doing what they love and loving who they do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not so much... I'm going to find some like deep, dark fucking German guy with the last name Riley who's from Brunosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> I have no affiliation with that. Yeah, I have no affiliation with Germans who live in Brunosaurus. <laughs> That's on another podcast about Nazis in Argentina. Nazis in Argentina. That's the name of it, too. Nazis in Argentina. In Argentina. That would be like a cool like concept album name. <laughs> Nazis in Argentina. It wouldn't sell, but hell, it would be cool. You know Stone Temple Pilots probably have that album somewhere. <laughs> Just somewhere. some concept album. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah, working, probably. Working with some weirdo like Beck and Prince. <laughs> probably. Oh, man. Stone Temple Pilots with Prince. That'd be fucking wild. It only if uh, only if Scott was still alive. Only if Scott Whelan was still alive, I would I would listen to it. Resurrected from hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so apparently Manson uh, had some involvement with the Church of Scientology. Yes, he was a proclaimed Scientologist. He said so in uh, 1961. Uh, he claimed to have gone to the church or had uh, become part of the church in 1961. Yeah, so uh, 
What do you know about search of Scientology other than L. Ron Hubbard? Would we be sued if we made an episode about it being a cult? I don't know, man. This is your show. I'm, not, I'm just an affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you're the affiliate. <laughs> I'm a co-host. Oh, no, 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 motherfucker. I heard you just say host in the beginning of this episode. The fine people that listen probably know that, too. <laughs> if y'all didn't hear it, just play it back just to prove my point. Yep. <laughs> the but, cryptic conspiracy cult cannot confirm or not that we believe that Scientology is a cult. I'm John Smith, and this is also John Smith. Yeah. Uh, uh, John and Joe Smith do not believe that Scientology <laughs> is a cult. Uh, um, but it is a, how can we put this? A, a religious well organization. well-versed religious organization in the art of deception, but it has a lot of money. Yeah. Like I love, the Catholic I, Church. I love Tom Cruise movies. I love Tom Cruise movies, too. I love John I used Travolta. to, like, hide from that 70s show. <laughs> I love Michael Pena. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just us shitting on the fucking actors that are part of that. <laughs> Leah Remini, they probably could have kept. <laughs> hey, listen, A&E needed somebody new. Yeah. Well, they. that's that. That's a whole new podcast. I'm just going to stop right there. But, uh, There's only so many episodes of Intervention you can make. And watch them fail. <laughs> oh, my God. You're such a sadistic bastard. That's just me, man. It keeps, it keeps my mind right. It keeps me right. It keeps me from reminding myself, maybe my life ain't that fucked. So, uh, you wanted to like his later life, right before he died, about three years before he died in 2014, he had met a woman named uh, Elaine Burton, uh, the one he had obtained a marriage license with. Uh, this is the one that we discussed just a second ago about who claimed the remains of Charles Manson. Yes. Uh, do you know anything about his plans when he was supposedly to be paroled? No. His plan, one of many, uh, included coming here to North Carolina. <laughs> For what? Uh, there is a stretch of land in North Carolina, uh, not far from my hometown, called Love Valley, North Carolina. I'm very familiar with Love Valley. Love Valley. That's where his plan was to go. And just start all over? And start all over. Start his life over in Love Valley. Because Love Valley reminded him of Spawn Ranch. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Uh, that, another fun fact about North Carolina, uh, a lot of the former Manson family have moved here during the mid-70s. Get the fuck out of here. After Squeaky Fromm tried to shoot a fucking president. Um, Ooh, shit's a little hot. We better go. Yeah, she's crazy. Her name's Squeaky. <laughs> Her name's Squeaky, and she can't shoot for shit. Can't shoot for shit. And this guy would be on the ground like 95% of the time. Mr. Yeah, for Gerald real. Gerald the, the Turtle Ford. <laughs> he didn't even make. He didn't even rush back inside. He slowly crept it back into I the hotel. I fell on my back. <laughs> I'm sure you did, Gerald. What, were you walking down two steps? Goddamn Episcopalians. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if you were a Catholic, you'd, you'd probably get assassinated like a real man. So Charles Manson kind of realized that uh, Elaine Burton was trying to scam him uh, when he realized that this was a ploy to basically get to his estate, which the Charles Manson estate kind of falters after uh, David Berkowitz. This is, this is where it ties into the son of Sam. Uh, there's a thing called the son of Sam law. Uh, where someone who commits an act of murder or terrorism cannot profit on that crime while they're incarcerated. This is why we get so many true crime novels that are not written by the people who did the act. And if they are, uh, like, that's why you also have a lot of, like, the ex-mob and cartel guys that start up all these YouTube channels, shows, do seminars, because they're out of prison. 
Yeah. They can. Yeah. They so, can write books too. So part of this marriage he was, you know, about to do before he canceled last minute was she had every intensive purposes with another man named Craig Hammond to parade his body after he had died uh, across the country, like an attraction, much like, like uh, weekend at Bernie's type of thing. More of like uh, the dead body of Lincoln kind of attraction. Oh, see, I was thinking like they were going to put him in the front seat, sunglasses, no. use him to get into the carpool lane. Yeah, no, uh, not 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 so much a puppet, <laughs> at, but more of of like what people used to do back in the day when famous people died. They would right. parade them around. Uh, death masks and stuff are made and shit like that. Oh, okay, I see yeah. what you mean. Same yeah. with John Dillinger, Pretty Boy Floyd. You know. They even did some for uh, Lenin and uh, Stalin, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of John Lennon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now now I, I, I'm seeing an image of, instead of John Lennon, it's Vladimir Lennon. Uh, it's like, I think we got the wrong Lennon. <laughs> just Mark David Chapman. Let me touch your face. <laughs> <laughs> Is it bad that I always keep... I, I keep fucking up him and the guy who shot Reagan. I always think they're the same person. I don't know why. I just feel like he kept trying to get Jodie Foster to notice. Yeah. Yeah. John Hinckley is the only assassin who uh, failed and didn't get three names out of it. No, you're, you know what? You're 100% right. Yeah. You are 100% right. That's not John J. Hinckley. It's just John Hinckley. It was the two-name thing. He should have known he was going to fail. Yeah, he didn't have a, he didn't have a catchy name. You gotta have a catchy name like John Wilkes Booth. John Hinckley to me sounds like a producer name that you would find on like thir- like Sixteen Candles. You know, the, the like fucking- Sixteen Candles, John Hughes, like John Hughes, John <laughs> Hinckley. Couldn't you see it? Yeah. Like directed by John Hughes, <laughs> executive producer John Hinckley. He- <laughs> Jody Foster, call me. <laughs> Wild story about uh, that'll be another episode but John Hinckley and Jodie Foster wild fucking very story very fucking crazy story yeah. and, 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 he, and he became Travis fucking Bickle yeah and uh, Anthony Hopkins is kind of involved it's kind what of, it's kind of a wild story damn um, there's a reason like Jodie Foster's scared all the time <laughs> well I knew about the whole filming in regards to uh, Silence of the Lambs like she didn't see him at all during filming yeah um, but like I said he died in 2017 uh, I remember hearing this when he died it was uh uh, I just got a kidney transplant in 2016. I was coming up on my second year, mm. and I was just like, "God damn, that motherfucker!" Was, it more surprised me that he was alive. Same uh, for a guy who's you know born in 1935, 83, right? Yeah. 83 years old. Yeah, um, and somehow this kind of uh, the news kind of broke in a weird fashion. Uh, I don't know if you know how news break how the news break work on it. Um, the California prison didn't report his death till a day later. Yeah, that's what I heard about. But it came out in a Florida affiliate the same day that he died. So somehow people in Florida, the news corporation in Florida, had said, oh, Charles Manson had died. Well, and he, then the prison's like, a day later, yeah, he, yeah, he died. Well, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me considering the correspondence they would have to have with people like Ted Bundy, mm-hmm. Kemper, with serial killers over the years that had frequented both states. Because for some reason, a lot of killers, whenever they're traveling, like Bundy, for a great example, mm-hmm. they love going to California and Florida. Well, it's... Or they tend to run in similar circles. There's gangs in Florida that will mm. exist in California. There's a lot of stuff that ties them together, east and west coast. Yeah. And what's weird about, you know, the serial killer aspect, when we think about crime, you know, we, we, we're big gangster mafia guys. You know, we talk about stuff like that. And can you imagine 
let's say uh, the guy that was doing helping with the Godfather what's his name um, are you talking about the uh, the actual mob guy yeah uh, Joe Colombo the head of the Colombo family that movie's being made Joe Colombo hears some stories about some serial killer run around can you imagine if they ran up on one of these motherfuckers would, how surreal that would have been fucking uh, when Berkowitz was going around mm-hmm. the mob guys actually were out looking for him yeah. at one point they yeah. had a couple of guys uh, from the Gambinas and the Genovese family yeah. out looking for him yeah. to try to kill him but this idea is like we've talked about this before with serial killers you know coming across other serial killers uh, bumping into each other on the street oh oh I'm killing here what are you doing I'm trying to kill... T- oh, you fucking asshole. I was going to kill somebody yeah. here. Now i got to go all the way to the other side of town. I would love a, a, like a full fiction story of of maybe someone like David Berkowitz. Going up against like Richard pi- Ramirez. Picking up a young Richard Ramirez for a ride and then just talking, you know, just cash money. Sh- like a... Like, uh, what is it? Tuesdays with Maury type situation. Oh, my <laughs> God. But... <laughs> Just these in-depth conversations while the Tuesdays fuck- at Sam's. Yeah, Tuesdays at Sam's. You are the sword of Jericho. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, really? Man, I just, I'm just here to get high and go to the hotel. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just want some candy. <laughs> uh, I just bought this new ACDC hat. I mean, <laughs> so this is where it kind of, uh, kind of shocked me was uh, around 2010 before he died. Uh, he, he finally released everything uh, when it came to musical rights. Yeah, uh, Henry Rollins had got involved. Yes, uh, with uh, the production of that, I was like, "Really, Henry? Are you surprised, Henry Rollins?" No, like I just morbid curiosity is probably his thing. Yeah, but it, this is this is kind of goes to the people who like put these puckers on a pedestal. I feel that, especially with like cult leaders. Well, have you ever watched uh, Dark Tourist? Yeah. Do you remember the episode that he did where uh, they go to California? Mm-hmm. And they speak with the heir apparent of um, Charles Manson's fortune or his yeah. estate. The guy was fucking nuts. Like, he was very mentally unhealthy. Yeah. To the point where he was saying that he didn't do anything wrong and that they're trying to just vilify him and mm-hmm. demonize him. And he had talked to Charlie for only, I think it was a period of maybe about five, six years. Yeah. But he claimed he had known him. What was funny was uh, you would hear these stories that uh, kind of amplified in Helter Skelter was that he was able to stare at you and hypnotize you and like immediately. I'm just like, bull fucking shit. How fucking stupid can you be to have that try to hypnotize you? Yeah, but like I can understand under the effects of, you know, microdosing, yeah, microdosing fucking some type of hallucinogenic like psilocybin uh, or LSD. A lot of it was really LSD, and a lot of that LSD came from Uncle Sam, which is the fucked up thing. Well, they're trying to provide a service. <laughs> we're serving the community. Normally, we're protecting, but today we're serving. Yeah, we're serving. Uh, this is where the kind of conspiracy part comes in now. So I've heard so many conspiracies about Charles Manson. Have you heard any of the any any conspiracy? Well, when it supposedly comes to- uh, him and Whitey Bulger both were in the MK Ultra project. Yes, that's the one of them that involved LSD experiments. Uh, headed um, by Sidney Gottlieb of the yeah. uh, CIA. Yep. Thanks, Dulles Brothers. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but Whitey Bulger did it to reduce his sentence, and <laughs> he was able to get free. Uh, a bit fucking insane. Another free. version of this involves Dr. Friedman. 
No. The famous lobotomist. No. The same guy who popped a Kennedy. Uh, there was a conspiracy that when Charles Manson was a young man, this is a conspiracy, this is a conjecture, was uh, to help with some of his criminality. Uh, Dr. Friedman had made a personal visit to help this young man. Oh, my God. And it is believed it is a botched lobotomy. That made him unhinged. Yeah. And I love that theory because it... <laughs> I love theories like this because it, great, it it brings big figures in history together in one spot. It's kind of like when we were talking about the Jim Jones thing. And it's like, you ever think that like at that point, Jim Jones was just bumping into Ted Bundy? <laughs> yeah. Like, What's up, man? Oh, man. I'm just... Looking for a good time. Should come on down to the People's Temple. Yeah, it's rocking. We got the best drinks in the house. Best drinks, best band. Yeah. Oh, man. And the praise is always on point. God, can you imagine if Jim Jones didn't die and just moved to Texas and hooked up with David Koresh? The jam no, band, the fucking jam, the, the cult jam band. It'd put L. Ron Hubbard's funk band to shame. L. Ron Hubbard would probably end up burning down the Waco no. compound. <laughs> burning <laughs> down the house. I did it better, assholes. Yeah. Um. But when it comes to, when it comes to the, some of the Charles Manson conspiracy stuff, that was one of my favorites. Was that Doctor Friedman himself uh, had put a fucking needle in this dude's eye and just fucked up when he hit the hammer because he just sneezed missed. and missed. He sneezed. Yeah, bug got him. in there. Yeah, he's <laughs> a fucking fly. Well, but my favorite story about Friedman is Rosemary Kennedy. Well, he also performed, I think, at one point, in one instance, he did like 100 lobotomies within one day at one of the hospitals he was so, operating at. So when we go to West Virginia near Brad's in the town of Weston, there's an asylum called the Trans-Allegheny Asylum. And that's where he operated at. That was one of the many ones he operated. Yes. Now, this asylum had people who did free range, you know, people who walked around the yards and stuff like that. And the fun fact about the asylum is it didn't have a front gate. So people would just wander out into the town. Yes, and the town was very fine with this. They were used to it. They'd bring yeah. him back. Yeah. But in some instances, his van would pull up and they would scatter. Yeah, it was like... Because the, he would cherry pick motherfuckers to do this to. It was like the Gestapo pulling up. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I always thought that of all these people who are, you know, that we consider crazy, would it be advantageous to run up on that van and kill that motherfucker? Of course, but what would it mean for the person that did it? It's, he probably wouldn't get a needle in the eye. No, he'd probably get a needle in his arm, though. Yeah. It, it's, it's a chair. It's, it's, a chair. A, it's a chair, yeah. They're not even going to soak the sponge. Yeah. Um, going into some of the stuff that, uh, you know, the victims themselves, I kind of want to keep keep this quick. The yeah. perpetrators themselves, uh, Susan Atkins, Patricia Kenwinkle, and Linda Kasabian, the three women involved. Do you know much about them? Other than they have thicker mustaches than I do right now. Uh, they had the Billy D. Williams look, man. Uh, Susan Atkins <laughs> died in 2009, not far after uh, I started uh, college. And I remember hearing that, I'm just like, damn, she couldn't have died fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, she couldn't have. Yeah, Susan Atkins was the driver and the perpetrator, I believe, in the LaBiancas. Um, yeah. Patricia Quinrico, however, it's 
she's still kicking. Is she really? Yeah, she's seventy four years old. Actually, she's the one I heard about that had that opportunity to go to get parole, but they mm-hmm. still denied it. Which good, good yeah. on you, good on you, board. <laughs> and then you have Miss Linda Kasabian, who is also still alive. She has also been up for parole multiple times. Um, Jesus fucking Christ! Why? <laughs> yeah, but she's actually the one who turned witness against the family. Ah, uh, yes, uh, and. She was offered immunity from prosecution, but she fucked up. How so? Uh, so she gave information re- regarding the Tate murders. Uh, she failed to give accurate information during the LaBianca murders. So mm. they caught her on the tail end on that shit. So that's kind of what fucked her in the end. So one of them is, two of them are dead. The one Charles Manson. And the rest of these bitches are still alive. <laughs> Jesus Christ, holding on by sheer spite. Yeah, uh, Tex Watson himself is still alive. Yeah, he's uh, is he still incarcerated in California, or has he got moved back to Texas? I believe he was moved back to Texas. That's what I thought. Uh, he's been commuted to life in prison because of the death penalty act. Of course, um, he's still incarcerated. Um, Wearing the white, the white collared fucking shirts that they put on you in Texas yeah. prisons. Um, He's part of actually a prisoner outreach uh, system online because uh, he converted to Christianity in 1975. Yeah. So you know how that works. Oh, yeah, of course. Forgive and forget Christians. Um, That's what Dahmer did. Another woman involved in this was Leslie Van Houten. Uh, she's still incarcerated. Keep in mind, these people are all in their 70s. Yeah, late 70s at that, too. Yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> We had joked, uh, recently Jerry Lee Lewis had passed, um, and we had talked about him on our uh, Something Good For You, if you check that out, uh, and we had talked about older people who die and older people who keep going. For example, all members of KISS are still alive. They're in their 70s. Yep. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis was up there. He passed away. Uh, Johnny Cash passed away not long ago. Uh and people of that era who just stop kind of that's that's what gets them they stop uh and i'm just like what's keeping these pieces of shit alive other than the united states penal system <laughs> i i wonder that same thing too and part of me feels like they might be they might have access to shit i mean kemper edmund kemper's still alive well he did uh part of his incarceration was uh he did audiobooks and he also turned himself in. Yeah. And he was also very good friends with the cops. Yeah. So the cops didn't believe him at first. Yeah. They're like, Ed, what the fuck are you saying? Kind of the same situation with uh, Mark Chopper Reed out of Australia. Yes. Hey, I killed that job molester. Whatever, Chopper, get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, we don't need this All shit. All right, fine. I'll kill this. I'll kill some more too. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then they finally arrest his ass. All uh, right, we we figured it was you. We yeah, just weren't yeah, sure. Great investigation, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Took you fucking long enough. Yeah. Uh, but. With Helter Skelter, I remember uh, reading that when I was in eighth grade. Uh, I got it from the public library, and they had multiple copies. But uh, I'm shocked d- they had that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember reading. It was the first like true crime book I had really read right. from the perspective of a cop. Um, and I didn't have any problem with it until I got older, when I started, you know. He- 
stories about conspiracies and stuff like that. A great version of this is uh, Truman Capote's In Cold Blood. Ah, I remember In Cold Blood. So In Cold Blood, for people who don't know, is the first true crime novel. Action. But uh, that's it, it, it's the first true crime novel. Um, and we kind of get away from that line of storytelling because it is very straightforward, straight to the fact that two guys came in the middle of the night into a farmhouse, killed some people. Of course. The end. However, there's no in that book there was no speculation of cause or reason. It was just telling the story of two guys who, who committed a terrible thing. Helter Skelter, however, implants ideas of why this happened. Satanic hippies who live out in the fucking desert who listen to the Beatles records, which aren't popular with the fucking cops in the 60s. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. Because you got people like John Lennon living the pillow life, telling people to quit their fucking jobs and shit. <laughs> uh, you, got Paul McCart- you got Paul McCartney, who really died in 1967. Uh, <laughs> and was replaced. <laughs> Don't worry. We got an episode about that. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, and he was actually involved in a, some other... Uh, true crime stuff that may or may not be misunderstood but also could be straight bullshit so he was involved in helter skelter but he was also involved in you know a political campaign much much after that uh, because he had ran for public office under that guys that hey I helped put Charles Manson away here's the book of course, yeah. Um, he ran. He ran as a uh, for the county district. He, he ran as a DA, so a full district attorney. Um, just on the guise of help, he helped. just on the coattails of hey, I I mm-hmm. caught, I helped catch Charles Manson. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in the state of California, if you're running for local office, it's not a bad idea. It's just kind of fucked up that you're using the victim's own demise as a way to profit off your self-righteousness and to catapult yourself into government. Uh, He was involved in two books about two different presidents. One was debunking conspiracies involving JFK. Mm. uh, And another one, which was a little weird, uh, it was about George W. Bush. (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah, uh, I didn't read that one. I had read some other stuff. Uh, he had wrote one about OJ getting away with murder. I can already see how this guy is. Yeah, so he write, he he does a lot of true crime books where he's not involved. Uh and it's kind of weird that he keeps going down that path. Uh so like you have people like I I can't say any shit. I I read a book, I read two books written by Bill O'Reilly. Killing Lincoln and Killing Kennedy, which are one of the more like fact-driven right. storytells, you know, tales of how these guys died. But when you start getting into, oh yeah, you know, I was, I helped put Charles Manson away, and then it's just like, let me tell you about why I think O.J. Simpson, and it's just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right, you just derailed yourself without even trying. Yes, yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some other stories that kind of got pushed to the to the edge a little bit by other cops who wanted to tell their version. Oh, yeah, of course, and they at times they want to sensationalize it. Uh, it's the same concept you have with, uh, with like, mob guys, too, when they're doing their confessions for the sake of getting, like, a mm-hmm. government deal. 
they'll sensationalize the yeah. stories because it's easier. And that's one thing I didn't see that was involved in this case was mob ties at all, especially no, in California. No, Cal- uh, California fucked up thing has never really had any sort of organized crime. There was an L.A. family, but it really didn't. Well, it kind of it kind of just stops in Nevada. For the most part, I mean, L.A. did have a crime family, but it was like probably 30, 40 guys. Yeah. And before that, it was Mickey Cohen, the those guys, the Hollywood guys. Yeah. And Mickey the, Cohen the, got clipped and... Yeah. Uh, well, Mickey Cohen is a that's a very unique story. Very. He got killed by a very ardent police officer. Oh, you got damn right. They got sick of his shit. Yeah. That that was back in the forties where the police would beat the shit out of you in the back rooms. <laughs> oh no! What did I find here? Oh, a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Somebody call somebody. This man's about to have himself an accident. <laughs> it's fucking L.A. Confidential all over again. Don't be gay in L.A., the story yeah, of L.A. Confidential. Yeah, that is for real what the story of L.A. Confidential is. That, that, is, be, that is what that whole movie is about. They killed Castle. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> Everyone's cool until they're not, Kim Basinger. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was literally the, the, the that phrase right there was that scene with fucking Kevin Spacey and James Cromwell where he's just talking to him and telling him exactly what happened. All of a sudden you hear the gunshot and he's, oh, Fuck. Knowing what you know now about Kevin Spacey, how surreal is that movie now? <laughs> it's kind of ironic. He's just looking for... It was like De- that episode of Dexter where they're trying to find the Miami Strangler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I gotta find him. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell could he be? I don't know. I think he's this cop over here. <laughs> you gotta find all different ways to throw... It's like the fucking L.A. arsonist mm-hmm. that was a fucking fire investigator that kept throwing the cops off to trying to find himself. Well, it's kind of like uh, the uh, the guy who uh, the the guy in Chicago who was like a mob arsonist. Yeah, uh, his son ended up becoming a famous comedian. Yep, and, and uh, appeared on Drunk History. He and he burned down buildings in uh, Chicago. Nick Offerman was supposed to be playing his dad. And he went into uh, witness protection. Yeah, which I was like, that's really fucking sad, but that's so cool at the same time. Nick Offerman playing playing shit like that is hilarious well since uh, there was another uh conspiracy theory i'm sure you're familiar with the story of mississippi burning since we're just on the mob thing i'll stop Mm -hmm. after this but uh there's a book that you would like um it's called uh the fbi and the grim reaper it's a story about greg scarpa and greg scarpa's nickname is the grim reaper he was a uh, capo in uh the uh, colombo crime family um notorious fucking hitman Mm -hmm. like call him that for obvious reasons Um, Iceman was probably but, taken. Oh, Iceman <laughs> also. Is a, is a, that's a whole other can yeah. of worms. But he apparently was the FBI's top, one of their top uh, informants, mm-hmm. confidential informants. They paid him, I think, anywhere from two to ten grand for any piece of information. Yeah. He could still carry out murders. He yeah. could still commit crimes just as long as they don't see him. His FBI handler would pay him. Supposedly, the conspiracy is during the Mississippi burning thing when those civil rights um, leaders went missing is that they didn't send down anybody from the Washington office to go down and interview the Klansmen. They sent down Greg Scarpa. So, a couple of different eyewitness accounts. When they kidnapped one of the Klansmen that mm-hmm. they believed that had an involvement in it. Uh, to scare him. Stories vary that they either brought him to a shed where there were two guards outside with a gun, or the one I like is that there was nobody outside, and he was just getting dragged to this fucking shed in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And they put him inside. Greg Scarpa comes in. He starts talking to him and trying to get the information out of him. He won't tell him, so he starts beating the shit out of him. Guy still won't talk. So then he takes a gun, 
a revolver, not loaded, loads six bullets into it, so it's kind of overkill in this case, but he puts it in his mouth and he says, you're going to tell me everything I want to know and need to know or I'm going to blow your no. fucking head off. The guy ended up just crying and cracked. Supposedly, Greg Scarpa was the guy they sent down during that whole yeah. case. So, have you seen Mississippi Burning? Yes. So, fun fact, the guy from Saul is in that movie. Yes, he is. I believe he's the one who's probably Scarpa. That's definitely because it's like, hey, we got a guy down here who specializes in interrogation, and it's just like he looks a little out of place. Yes, because he's from New York City. And let us just you know hunt a hick down, basically, and like let's hamstring him. Let's see what he does. Uh, And I could see. I could see that same tactic being used around this time, especially in California. Oh, yeah. uh, Where you just hamstring some fucking hippie to get some answers. But nine times out of ten, especially the 1960s, you know, it's pre-internet, pre-all that, people are going to be running in the same circles. They're going to know something about somebody because word travels fast. And back then, it may not have traveled as fast as it does in, you know. Well, that's the great thing about, like, when we talk about this stuff is, you know, what's going on in history, what what people are involved. Precisely. You know, um, we we talked about the uh, Chicago 7 a while ago. Yes. And how that was a shit show. Well, that's going on at the same time as Charles Manson is killing, killing these people. And... You know how surreal we talk. You know now the news how surreal it is. You know basically the information age is is fucking ridiculous. It's oversaturation of yeah. sensationalism. Yeah. Uh, so recently, you know, in real time, we're dealing with basically a Bond villain of yeah. Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> A, a it's guy. Moonraker. It's Moonraker. We, we talked about this. Well, all he's missing is the fucking laser guns. Yeah, so uh, he has laser guns. He built flamethrowers. Uh, he, he's got. He just hasn't released them yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, we talk about we talk about you know new current events. You know, can you imagine what are the current events going on in 1969 as America? You know, while it comes out the dog days of fucking summer in August, some hippies went into the Hollywood Hills and killed these people killed a prominent couple and killed you know an heiress a famous actress who was on the rise the wife of a a director who just did rosemary's baby yep uh what else is going on in the world in 1969 Uh, there's a troop surge in vietnam protests are rising didn't the tet offensive happen around this time too the tet offensive happens in 1968 1960 okay because this because yeah because it's the holiday of tet that's right which is the vietnamese new year yes yes that's right which was a uh which was a ceasefire that ended terribly. It, there was no ceasefire as yeah. far as the North was concerned. Yeah. Um, and then around 1969, you are dealing with, well, 1968, you're dealing with the aftermath of the Democratic National Convention, which mm-hmm. involves the Chicago 7. Yep. You're dealing with, you know, Altamont is about to happen and be the tail end of the 60s, which ends in tragedy. So you have all this stuff kind of snowballing with all these famous people that we think we know they're famous now. Just constantly though, yeah. dude. And like everyone and everything is happening all at once. And around this time too is where you start having the offsets of the heroin crisis coming into mm-hmm. the U.S. with uh, the likes of like Frank Lucas, Nicky Barnes, yep. uh, the heroin trafficking coming back from Vietnam. Yep. And uh, Frank Lucas and his boys were all from North Carolina. Yes, they were Greensboro. <laughs> yeah. Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, I, I looked into. Fra- I, I actually love Frank Lu- Lucas's story. Yeah, um, for a heroin dealer, it's very fascinating. It really is. Uh, another part of this, you know, 
it reminds me of kind of like boogie nights a little bit there yeah like how how, how everything's about to change when the decade changes because they're not tried until 1971 so they sat in prison or sat in jail for three years yeah well you they didn't enact the right of a speedy trial which is part of your right and not not in this case they did they did (laughs) not they did not enact that or most likely they were told to shut the fuck up Shut the fuck! You lost your rights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you got to think about another part of this. This is the beginning beginning of cult culture. At the tail end of the '60s, yeah. you do have the free love movement going downhill, but the rise of spiritualism in a more alternative form. So, cults form um, around this time. Jim Jones is doing big in Indianapolis. The Ant Hill kids are just kind of getting started. Yep. That, that Ant Hill is just small right now. It's Very just, small group. That's right. Yeah. They're just making jam. <laughs> um, you know, your others, you know, your other religious affiliations are changing across the board. In 1969, the Southern Baptist conference changes their fucking political views. Yes. To a whole new extreme. Completely different. All fucking. because of Martin Luther King. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Catholic leadership in, North, in the United States is changing of guard, changing of hands. Uh, your parties are changing. Republican, you know, conservatives. Are, Dixiecrats are starting to go out the door. Dixiecrats are becoming Republicans. Yes. Um, and then you have, you know, kind of a crisis when it comes to uh, embargoes and stuff like that. Because also in 1969, you have uh, the first issues with OPEC the first issues with oh, Saudi Arabia, yeah. which, which snowball in 1976. With the uh, rising gas prices because yeah. the embargoes. Yeah. Because yeah. we're going to run out of gas, man. It's 1975. We're going to run out of gas. <laughs> uh, Why don't we just run out on peanut oil? <laughs> he had to give up his farm. <laughs> oh, hell no. That's a, that's what it's going to take? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> this isn't worth it, Rosalind. This isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. God damn it, Jimmy. Just sign the fucking paper. I like how we just keep making fun of Jimmy Carter. <laughs> His spirit. Is the great gonna... conspiracy of Jimmy Carter is he, he is the Illuminati. <laughs> he, he is. he. Ronald Reagan didn't die of old age. He killed him with jelly beans. He just put the pillow over his face and shoved jelly beans down his throat. <laughs> uh, Wake up, Ronnie. <laughs> Wake up, Ronnie. Remember me? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> It could have been Jimmy Carter's Star Wars. It could have been Jimmy <laughs> Carter's Star Wars. I wanted Operation Hercules. Me. Yeah, me. <laughs> I came up with the fucking name. Now I'm Operation Build a House for Poor Fucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but when it comes to like Charles Manson, you know, pop culture-wise, it is massive. Uh, there is so much involvement with everything in it. Yeah, and... That's, that's kind of I feel Adam. like it also, in a way, inadvertently kind of uncovered the dirty underbelly that existed in Hollywood at this time. Because up until this point, you never really heard much about the fucked up stuff that happened. You know, with Judy Garland's, the Marilyn Monroe's, the countless other like actresses that were all put through Hollywood. Well, I think it, I think it's because you know it's the rise of independent information. Exactly. You know, you go to, uh, the great version of this is John Wayne was created by Hollywood Reporter. Have you heard the story? To John, like, no. so John, John Wayne technically didn't exist until someone wrote about him in a fucking paper and kind of facilitated his rise because 
the real John Wayne, the man John Wayne, is a draft dodging piece of shit. Whose real name was Marion. Yeah. And he wanted he tried to attack a fucking Native American woman during the Oscars. He tried to fight Jimmy Stewart, and Jimmy Stewart, who was a veteran of World War II, would have stomped his ass. And that's a funny voice to get your ass kicked by, too. You're going to try to hit me, you piece of shit. I was Mr. Smith. <laughs> I'm about to go to Washington and your ass. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck. I'm sorry. Jimmy Stewart's that one person. Well, that's I would why not that's fuck one with. of my favorite Westerns is the man who shot Liberty Valance, and John Wayne's a dumbass in that movie. Of course. But, uh,. But so like when you talk about Judy Garland, well she kept marrying gay guys. That was a mistake. That is very true. <laughs> uh, that was a problem. Uh, and you know, especially nineteen sixty nine, sixty eight, Marilyn Monroe's did. Elvis dies much in the early seventies. Next, next going in, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, all gone, all, all out gone. the door, all done. And it's a, it's an end cap to a whole fucking decade of change. Um, and the and Charles Manson. And the whole family single-handedly ended the free love movement with yeah. that one event because that and made every hippie wanted to cut their hair short. That's where you had the whole change in the cultural demographic. Yeah. All them free love hippies ended up becoming Reaganites. Um, yes, uh, yes, they did. <laughs> um, That's fucked. But yeah, yeah you're not uh, wrong, bro. Those boomers, man, who had it made. Uh, <laughs> fucking assholes. The world doesn't owe you a living, but it does owe me one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it goes, it goes to stuff that me and you talked about rules for thee, but not for me. Yeah, yeah. that is 100%. But yes. I don't want to break down the cultural aspect of boomers. No, no. We, but, we uh, could do this all night. But, uh, <laughs> hey, I got, I got energy drinks. <laughs> I got some of that Reagan era Coke. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's all natural. It's made with kerosene. <laughs> oh, oh. It's diesel in this one. <laughs> Diesel, that's five dollars a gallon. I can't afford that coke. But um, <laughs> you know who can? The U.S. military. The U.S. military. Um, but with the pop culture version of this, you know, we got uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We got the Helter Skelter movies. There are multiple movies uh, of Helter Skelter. Mind Hunter, even touching on it quite a few times in the first season. Yeah. Uh, and there is a kind of going into that real quick. There is a line where the young guy. The young FBI agents, he's like, you know, we could do something to try to stop this from happening again. And that one cop sounds up. We fucking tried, asshole. Because Charles Manson was in and out of jail. They did all this kind of stuff. That to- was that detective. He was the uh, lead investigator on the Manson case. Yeah. And he's like, no, motherfucker, we did try something with this guy before he did all this and it failed. He just was an evil fucking person. It's yeah. kind of what it boiled down to. Yeah. And I think... I think with with the Manson family being what's called a cult, basically, technically, yeah, they are a cult in a way. But he would be their technically Messiah in some way because of all the drugs and hallucinogens they were taking. But even then, it's like it's hard for me to really see it as a cult as more so than it was a commune. You know what I mean? I see it more as a cult just because of the similarities between that and the Ant Hill kids. Yeah, he, he commanded respect. Yes. He, he ordered them to do things, and they did them. Um, and but the thing that separates this from the um, anthill kids, in what's my the opinion, jam? <laughs> the jam, not just the jam, <laughs> or in, or in some cases the the racism behind the fucking whoa, the tea, the racism yeah. behind the what was it the uh, what kind of tea was it? The, the celestial tea. Celestial tea. There yeah. we go. Yeah. The, but it, in that case, the anthill kids, was his name Gee? 
that yeah. was the head of it. Yeah, yeah, same as like clarified better. Yeah, <laughs> but he didn't really have a Tex Watson in the mix. He didn't have he didn't somebody. He, he, was, he was Tex Watson. He didn't even need to command respect, though, is no. what I'm saying. Charles Manson, you could see him being this little fucking flea that's jumping up and down, mm-hmm. trying to get people to listen to him, and they'll listen to him vicariously through text. Yeah. Uh, another part of the Manson cult, do you know what their core belief was, what Charles Manson belief was for the end? What's that? He believed there would be a giant race war. Well, I know about that portion. Yeah, so there was going to be a race war where uh, the blacks and whites would, you know, do a knockdown drag out. <sighs> and the blacks needing leadership would choose Charles Manson to lead them. Uh, obviously, this is fucking stupid. That is possibly the dumbest string of words. And I it's all because of the song Helter Skelter. Um, this is another reason why the Beatles are terrible. You they're, ruined America. Their terrible music caused terrible things, just like Catcher in the Rye <laughs> and Fanta. Well, maybe Catcher in the Rye isn't that bit. <laughs> oh, poor me. I'm in the Rye. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, I'm just saying it. How about you catch a fist? <laughs> oh, somebody caught a bullet. Um, <laughs> Kill John Lennon. I just. I read Catcher in the Rye, and it was like it's such a lame ass book about selfishness. <laughs> You're not wrong though, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's very a "woe is me" type of novel. Oh, sack the fuck up! That's that, that's how I was dealing with you. Story. Hired a prostitute to talk to her about your problems, kid. Get a fucking psychiatrist, man. Go see a therapist. Yeah, go um, to a group session. I kind of think you know when we talk about the conspiracy that's involved in the Charles Manson cult. When we hear stories like, oh, you know, Dr. Friedman fucked up and caught him to go crazy, or uh, he was part of NCAM Ultra that just went south. And I'm just like, we know the true stories that involved in this. First of all, Dr. Friedman didn't really fucking miss. Uh, that motherfucker had a 98.9 percentage <laughs> accuracy rate. He was rating. bad a thousand when he came to West Virginia. But, uh, he was smoking cigarettes, getting it yeah. done. But like, the MK Ultra, we know the story of MK Ultra. It was a facade to try to keep up with the Soviets that involved guys being thrown out of windows with hookers. And it was a fucking, <laughs> what got them going was a, it was a, a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. It, it was seeing that there was a truth serum involved from government agents. Mm-hmm. They're like, we need something like that. Yeah. And it wasn't even called MK Ultra. It was called Project Artichoke yeah. when it first started. Stupid fucking name. Which, in their own way, stupid fucking name, but who the fuck is going to go, let's say you break in, you're looking through all these confidential files. I'm looking say, at, a, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm listening, I'm looking at the most crazy fucking names. Project Artichoke? Yes, what the fuck is Project Artichoke? Are they making vegetables? No. <laughs> oh my god, it's drugs. It's the ones with the cool names you automatically know are stupid as shit, like uh, Operation Fast and Furious. <laughs> I you, forgot about Fast and Furious. Yeah, what is, hey, what was it? Oh, we're going to uh, sell uh, guns to to cartels and then trace the guns it's like what happened the well, guns we went s- missing we sold all the guns and they went missing well we sold all oh, the guns what happened and they how'd that happen <laughs> they didn't call us back yeah. <laughs> you guys call us when you have the guns just let us know where they are okay yeah, yeah no problem what a dumbass <laughs> but like who's fucking transcripted you forged to if get I'm in seeing here? I'm seeing stuff like Project Paperclip or Operation Paperclip or Operation Artichoke or something like that I want to look at it uh, fair enough Another good. Uh, speaking of this, uh, uh, the King of FOIA, uh, the Freedom of Information Act, had rec- has recently died. 
the guy who created the longest private running collection of FBI files no has recently shit. died. Uh, Lazar? Not Bob Lazar. Another one. I know you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he had the longest collection of uh, FBI files through FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. Fuck. But uh, he recently passed away. Uh, it was a conspiracy. He was killed. He was killed by Bill Clinton. <laughs> Did Bill Clinton act like Bill Clinton himself? or he yeah, hired- himself. Just himself. Okay, damn. He needs, Bill, to, he needs something to do. Old Dirty Bill still getting his hands dirty. Yeah, old Dirty Bill. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Why do I hear a saxophone? <laughs> just, just eighty sixes him with the fucking hanger for the. Uh, <laughs> Arsenio Hall's like, play that shit, bro. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's Charles Manson in a nutshell. Sorry, I, I just hear Bill Clinton playing fucking Baker Street as he's killing this guy. <laughs> no, I could, I, I could see the 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 funniest conspiracy about Bill Clinton. I could see is that he's just a normal person. That would be the biggest conspiracy <laughs> that Bill Clinton isn't part of some Bilderberg fucking has owl, nothing to do owl with fucking it. Just completely cult, you know? Yeah, just he's just a, been a regular person this whole fucking time. The only thing he like, only thing that's kind of unique is that he likes to play the saxophone. That's it. That's it. And he never forgets a bitch. Nope. <laughs> No, he does not. No, he does no, not. No, he does not. <laughs> yeah. Bill Clinton never forgets a bitch. Uh, damn, yeah. Bill. Damn, Bill. Yeah. That's why they put them on the $3 bill. It's Ill Clinton. <laughs> it's Ill Clinton. Yep. He's got a license to ill. <laughs> Just like Kim Jong-il. Which will be uh, probably another... Uh, uh, that'll probably be one of our next episodes, the story of North Korea. That's going to be awesome. Oh, my God. North Korea, best Korea. <laughs> We have one burger stand. Best burger. Best burger. Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, this is our episode on Charles Manson. Uh, please let like again in the Discord. Please let us know if you have any ideas uh, that you want us to uh, run through. Yeah. Uh, any type of cryptids or conspiracies. Hell, even cults again. Or even all three. Or all three. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see if we can get a cult around Bigfoot. Cult. I would love to revisit Bigfoot soon. Yeah. I wouldn't mind revisiting too. And how the Russians treat him <laughs> in the law. We leave food out for him. Yep. And uh, we may uh, come in soon, maybe doing a, uh, a trivia game soon. He drank vodka and come into village with AK-47. <laughs> Four moving parts. Say, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> well, there goes our polar bear problem. Yep. There goes our polar bear problem. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, again, this is Chris with Quinn on the Cryptic Conspiracy Cult. We are out. Bye. Shit, it's almost one o'clock. <laughs>